Please stand, please stand as we read the Word of God together. We're in Matthew chapter 16, 1 through 12. We're talking about trap setters. Those are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Want to set traps for Jesus. And Jesus told them they didn't know the signs of the times. And we're going to talk about how important it is for us to know the signs of the times. What the Bible says is going to happen is happening on schedule. And we can know by Bible prophecy what is going to happen in the future. And you guys have been trained in prophecy and you see what is happening right before our eyes as we streak towards the coming of our Lord. So chapter 16, verse 1, Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came testing him and asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And there shall be no sign given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I do not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven, the sin of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This is the word of God. Our Father, thank you for your word. Open our eyes to the truth of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. As you know, trap setters know the signs of the times. Jesus has been ministering to the Gentiles. He's, he's uh, cast out a demon from a, from a, a demon-possessed daughter. And remember, the, the, the mom comes and pleads with Jesus. My daughter has a demon, is a severe demon. Cast her out, Jesus. Take her out. But she was a Canaanite woman. And Jesus came to the Jews first, and he kind of answered her in a curt way. That he, well, he did, actually didn't even listen to her. His disciples get sick of her screaming and yelling, heal, heal, heal. And then finally Jesus will address her, but he only addresses her in the positive when she cries out these words. And let these words echo from our hearts when we have a problem. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. At that point, Jesus intervened and healed the girl. Now, what happens after that is he's going to go back to the Gentile area. Excuse me, he's going to leave the Gentile area and go back to the Jewish area. And there he'll be confronted, confronted by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The trap setters are going to try to trap Jesus. And that takes us to verse 1. And I want you to really think about the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees. Who in the world are these guys? Who are they? Who are these trap setters? So verse 1, then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him asked that he would Show them a sign from heaven. Show us another sign, Jesus. Show us something that, you, that, that demonstrates you're the Messiah. Now, both of these are religious sects. And there's going to be a, a slide that comes up on the screen. It's going to tell you who these guys are. These are two parties. These two parties served in the great Sanhedrin. Now, that's the Supreme Court, 71 members, who were responsible to interpret civil and religious laws. It was made up more of Sadducees than Pharisees, but the masses were more loyal to the Pharisees and thus made it hard for the Sadducees to do as they pleased. Sadducees wanted to get along with Rome. Now, Sadducees and Pharisees, you want to realize this, these two groups did not like one another. They actually despised one another. Much like the Shiite and Sunni Muslims today hate one another, but their hatred for Israel supersedes their hatred for one another. So they bond together to go against Israel, but they hate each other. Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate were enmity with one another and became friends at Jesus's trial, united in their, in their hatred of Jesus. So Pharisees and Sadducees, the Pharisees are ritualists. The Sadducees are rationalists. The Sadducees rejected a belief in the resurrection. The Pharisees did, did believe in the resurrection. That's a good thing about the Pharisees. The Sadducees denied the afterlife. Now, 
what is the point of being a Sadducee? I mean, I'm telling you, they deny everything. Pharisees believed in the afterlife. The Sadducees rejected the spiritual. The Pharisees believed in the spiritual. Spiritual. Now, why, again, why would anyone want to be a Sadducee? That is a sad group to be with, the Sadducees. It really is. I mean, you've heard all kinds of things spoken about the Sadducees, but I think it's this. People love power and control. And these people are in it for the power and control. Much like many people today, we have an example of that with our government. Power and control. Power and control. They wanted to catch Jesus in a trap. Jeremiah 5.26. It gives a clarification on what these traps are and what people want to do. It says this, For among my people, this is talking about the Jewish people that were getting ready to go into Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah is speaking to them. Among my people, God's people are found wicked men. They lie in wait as one who sets snares. They set traps. They catch men. Catch men in the trap. Stick your head in the trap. How are they catching you? Through philosophies and worldviews that are the antithesis of God. That is what is happening. That's how they trap. And Jesus would not be trapped. He could not be trapped. He's God. He ends up trapping them. So verse 2 through 4, the trap setters do not know the signs of the time. Jesus is going to very specifically address them. So verses 2 through 4, he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. You can read the signs of the weather. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Then he gives them this great word that just cuts them right to the core. Hypocrites, mask wearers, performers, doing things for theater. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. He held them responsible. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them and departed. Look at the hyper-religious Pharisees and Sadducees are blinded to who Jesus is. They knew what the prophet said. And Jesus held them responsible for what the word told them, especially the Tanakh, the Old Testament scriptures, specifically the Torah, the first five books of the, of the Old Testament. Jesus demonstrated over and over that he was the Messiah, the promised Messiah. He did three specific miracles that rabbis said would identify the real Messiah. Those three miracles were this, heal someone blind from birth cast out a demon from someone that was deaf and mute, heal someone of leprosy. Only Jesus in the history of all the world has done this. He is the promised Messiah. They should have known the signs. They had rabbinical requirements. He met them. But listen to this. Listen to the scripture requirements. There's a plethora of these that were prophesied in the Old Testament, came to fruition with Jesus' life. Listen to this. I'll just take a few of them. He had to come from the tribe of Judah. That's a, bad, that's a big tribe. There's thousands of people in that tribe, but he did. He had to be a descendant of King David, kind of narrowed it down. He had to be born in Bethlehem, and not just Bethlehem, but Bethlehem of Judea. That narrows it down even more. And he had to arrive before the destruction of the second temple, which was in 70 AD. Jesus did that. That's Daniel chapter 9, 24 through 27. Then he had to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, Zechariah 9.9. He did, just like the prophet prophesied. He, had to be, he would be suffer in silence at his arrest. His he, would be, he would be killed on a cross. His burial, he'd be thrown into a rich man's tomb, and he was. This isn't coincidence. This is all worked out by God. And then there would be the resurrection. In Isaiah 52, 13, his lineage, his birthplace, his time, his lifestyle, the messianic expectations that we see in Scripture were fulfilled by Jesus. His first coming in particular, but folks, there are expectations that will be fulfilled for his second coming. We know that what happened in the past was true. We can extrapolate from that what is coming is true. And we have seen several things, and you're going to get this in just a second. I hope you have this. Evidence... We are in the last days. Ted Betts put this together under the encouragement of Jason. 
in the men's group on Thursday night, and he did a wonderful job with this. You will need this in just a few seconds. Well, a few minutes. So anyway, they should have known the signs of the time. Jesus met the expectations of who Messiah is. The, religious, the religionists wanted a sign from heaven. And Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation seek after a sign. And that seek after a sign is written in the present tense. What these guys are actually doing is, give me more signs, Jesus. Give me another one. Give me another one. Give me another one. Perform for us, Jesus. Let us see something more, Jesus. And it was a continuum. He had already healed the sick. He already healed the lame. He already touched blind eyes, healed the ears, cast out demons. He did marvelous things. As, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the fish, and I guess what? I believe there was a real Jonah and a real great big fish, and he was swallowed, and people say, oh, that's so simplistic. No, that's what the Bible says. Jesus believed it, I believe it. And then he was spewed out. Jesus was three days and three nights in the grave, and he resurrected. That grave wasn't going to hold Jesus. He conquered death. He conquered death. Jesus warns the people to, to know the signs of the time. Jesus holds every generation responsible, his generation, our generation, to know the signs of the times. He doesn't equivocate on this. The church is, is commissioned to know. Most of the church has not a clue of what to expect or what's going to happen. They don't study prophecy. We study prophecy. We know the signs of the times. And again, very few churches do this. We study prophecy to know what to look for. We study prophecy so we will not be fearful. When things start to unravel, when things start to implode, we know what is coming. We know what to expect. We study prophecy because Jesus taught us to be ready. Folks, it's urgency. The time is short. We are seeing things happen in our world that are incredible, and we are on a fast pace for the coming of our Lord. And I know the people have said this in the past, and I'll address that again in just a second, that specific thing in just a second. So Jesus is going to, going to, going to, going to receive, he does receive his kingship on Palm Sunday, and he makes this statement about knowing the signs. Now you're going to see a picture come up on the screen on Luke 19, 43 through 44. Now this is significant. Because the group that accepted Jesus as king, as he came into Jerusalem on a donkey, that was prophesied by the prophet Daniel, and to the day, 173,880 days from the word to go out and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the king, the Messiah Nagid, the prince would come, would be that number of days. It happened to the day, historians say. This is not coincidence. This is God orchestrating the events of this world. And he says this as he's marching in, and those people that want to praise him, Hosanna, save now Jesus, you're the Messiah, were the same group in a few days that were saying, crucify him, crucify him. He's not going to save us like we expected. Jesus came the first time to die for them, to be their savior. He will come the second time to reign as their king. That's how that works. Now listen to what Luke says. For the days will come upon you, this is, Jesus, this is Luke's, Jesus speaking, when your enemies will throw a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground, talking about Jerusalem, and your children within you. Do you know that one million died in 70 AD when Titus' army, the 5th, 10th, 12th, and 15th legions, for four years, fought against Jerusalem. It was a four-year campaign. It was interrupted because there was some home stuff that was going on and Caesar rebellions in Rome. But the whole thing took, a part over, took place over about a four-year period of time, according to Josephus. And they came in and leveled a million people died. And he goes on to say this, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. And this is the reason that happened, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. That you did not recognize me as the Messiah. I gave you every sign. I gave you every opportunity. I demonstrated to you that I am the Messiah. Look, at Jesus comes to hearts today and he touches our hearts and he tells us, I am the Messiah. 
Receive me. Believe in me. Put your trust in me. I died for you so that you could have life. You could live forever with me. You know, salvation is so simple. God paid the price. Sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And if we simply believe and receive the gift, we have eternal life. But so many people spurn it. Say, that's not for me. Not now. I'll put that off. I'll I'll, I'll come to you some other time. Oh, no, you won't. You come at the time that God prescribes. Not you prescribing. God prescribes. He is the one that draws. He is the one that speaks to hearts. He is the one that is responsible for salvation. We have to believe and receive the gift. Make no mistake about that. That is our responsibility. But he does the work. Now, we should have known the signs of the times. No excuses will be acceptable for anyone to not to know the signs of the times. I hope you know that. This thing I didn't know. You're living in a country. You're living in a Western country that has access to Bible after Bible after Bible after Bible. Every human particularly going to be responsible in those areas that have access to the Word of God and have just ignored it. You will be held at highest responsibility. It's not going, to, not, going to buy, not going to buy any time with God or any favor with God by saying, it didn't make any sense to me. I didn't understand it. That book of Revelation was so hard to understand. No one told me. God has given humanity his word, and to whom much is given, much is required. That is the truth. Now, that's, that's, that, that text is in the context of stewardship, that we are to be good stewards of what God has given us. But folks, we are to be good stewards of his word also. We are to know what this word says and apply it to our lives. Today, many people, many, and I, you've run into these people. They're actually all over the place. You Christians have been talking about the rapture forever. Well, forever goes back to about 1970 when in hell, Lindsay wrote his late great planet Earth. Forever, that's forever. That was way before I was born. And things just keep going. Nothing's changing. Well, look at our world as it devolves right before your eyes. It is changing. Things are changing at rocket speed. Peter was, was pressed with this question. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4 through 7 says this. Knowing this first, telling us the scoffers will come. Those are deriders, mockers, false teachers, false speakers, false worldview people. In the last days, walking according to their own lusts, what they want, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Now, we have heard that. We have heard that. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Oh, really? For they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, they were made, he's spoken into existence, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. There was a great flood, a world flood. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment. Folks, there will be a time when climate change will really happen, and it will really heat up here, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. But it won't be because mankind has done this. It'll be a judgment of the living God, and they'll start all things over and make all things new as we go into eternity. There's a thousand-year millennial reign prior to that, but as we go into eternity. So, with that stated, thinking about trap setters, people that want to catch you as they try to catch Peter, they try try to catch Jesus, you'll see trap setters in churches, unchurched, but you see them all over the place. We're to be ready. They ignore Jesus' warning. Because you go to a church doesn't mean that you're a Christian, folks. I hope you realize that. At least if you go here, you realize it. You have to believe in the Lord Jesus. Follow him. Trap setters today tell you that prophecy is not important. You'll hear that in churches. Trap setters will tell you no one can understand this stuff. You know what they're doing? They're ignoring 27% of the Bible. 27% of the Bible talks about prophecy. Many of them have already been fulfilled, and they were fulfilled exactly as was predicted, and they are being fulfilled now as predicted. It'll become more stunning in just a minute. God considers prophecy important, and so should we. Now, thinking about prophecy and why we study it and labor over it, prophecy has a way 
of detaching us from the cares of this world. Folks, if you're biting your nails because of an election, if you're biting your nails because of a one world government, if you're biting your nails all worried about the implosion and lawlessness, and we don't want to see this stuff, but it has been predicted and it's going to happen and it is happening right in our lifetime. Prophets from old long to see our day. And we have the privilege of living in a changing world that is ushering in the kingdom. The study of prophecy also fosters holiness in an unholy world. And prophecy also helps us to adjust our focus to our king who is coming. Not on this world, not on my 401, which by the way I do think about, but anyway, my 401. (laughs) And then I have to come to my senses, it's going away. So anyway, church, I want to urge you to do this. Stay awake, church. Don't get lulled into complacency. Don't be caught sleeping. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4 through 6 tells us this specifically. Watch what he says. Paul, it tells the Thessalonian church, but you brethren, you brethren, you are believers in the Lord Jesus. You brethren are not in darkness. Why? Because you've studied the word. You studied prophecy. You know what's coming. So that this day, the day of the Lord, should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. We are not of the night. We are not of those who don't understand. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch, watch. And then he says, be sober, be sober. What does that mean? Be alert, be alert, folks. Know what's going on. Have eyes to see and ears to hear the things of the Spirit. We're not watching YouTube to find out what's going on. We definitely aren't listening to the New York Times to tell us about what's going to happen. We go to our word. We go to the word. And I want you to know that deceiving spirits, as you know, I've mentioned this last time, are here. They have been welcomed into our country. If we kick out the true God, remember, it leaves a vacuum and the false gods come in. And now people are believing things that heretofore in this nation, nobody believed. Or maybe little hidden remnants believe someplace. But now the masses have embraced these deceiving spirits. Timothy puts it this way in 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul to Timothy. In latter times, now that's, we're in latter times. Some will depart from the faith, from the true faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines, teachings of demons. Now hear this loud and clear. I cannot say this loud enough. Do not allow deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons, to keep you blinded to what Jesus expects you to know. Don't listen to the stuff coming at you 24-7. Remember, they set snares. They set snares, they set traps, and they catch men. That's what these philosophers do today. That's what these people with a contrary worldview do today to to the people. Verses 5 through 7, Jesus warns his disciples about the trap setters. Now when the disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, now they think Jesus is yelling at them because they didn't bring any food. Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now they think this, and they reason among themselves saying, it's because we have taken no bread. These guys don't have a clue what's going on yet. Do they need the Holy Spirit or what? Yes, they do. So, Leaven is a picture of sin, folks. Pharisee teachings set snares, trap men. The warning is clear about false teachers. Now, think about your protection in a world where you're inundated with false information on a continual basis. Think about that. Your protection from the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is know the original. Know the word so well that no false teacher can smooth you, can fool you, can lead you down the primrose path of destruction. The Word teaches us about the true God, and we learn about the true God. That tells us and gives us a heads up when the false is coming in. So you must know the Word. If there's ever been a time when the people of God need to know the Word, it is today. It is today. Because we are living in a generation that has jettisoned the Word of God, 
It's out of most churches. People are not teaching and preaching the word of God. They give little sermonettes and pep talks about your best life, you know, the whole thing, your best life now, and you are great and wonderful and terrific. No, you're not. We are depraved in need of a Savior. We are sinners saved by grace. We need our God to make us functional. Most Christians are fodder for the false because they simply don't know the playbook. It's that simple. No Bible discernment subject to snares, traps being caught. 8 through 12, the trap of little faith. But Jesus, being aware of it, remember Jesus' is, is omniscience, his is all-knowing just kind of ekes through. He knows what they're thinking said to them, O you of little faith. Now, how many times has he said that to the disciples? It's kind of like over and over and over, O you of little faith. Why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand? He's been with them for almost two years here. Or remember the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many large baskets you took up? Don't you remember that I could make bread and multiply the bread and the fishes? It's not about the food. It's not about the physical. How is it that you do not understand that I do not speak to you concerning bread? But to beware of the leaven, the yeast, the sin. Remember, leaven is a picture of sin in Judaism. Leaven is a picture of sin. Beware of the sin, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then, you ever take like a chemistry class and a guy's teaching or physics or something, you don't have a clue what's going on and you're you're acting like you do and everybody's around you is acting like they do and then suddenly, boom, the light goes on. You go, oh, I get it. And all of a sudden, one person, I get it. I got it. I got it. And it's all excitement and you know, hopefully you're the one that gets it and not be the one that's just pretending I get it, but I get it. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the light went on. Jesus, now picture this, loud and clear for the umpteenth time, O you of little faith. It isn't about the, the physical, it is about the spiritual. Remember, it's not about the bread. Do you know that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. Remember, that was the first I am statement written in John. And that I am statement was one of seven that was written in John. Saying that I am the I am of Exodus chapter 3. I am the one that Moses was talking about when, when he says, when I go to Pharaoh, who do I say that you are? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. Jesus is claiming to be God here. You have God that can make the bread. You have God that can still the storm. You have God that is in control of all things. Things are not unraveling out of control. This is a controlled descent. Controlled descent. He fed the 4,000. He fed the 5,000. No problems. Verse 11 is clear, the transition from the physical to the spiritual. How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the, of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Now, let me ask you a question. They still have trouble understanding. What do they need? What do the disciples need? What do we need when we do not perceive properly? We need eyes to see and ears to hear what, uh, what is the things of the Spirit? Now, how does this happen? It happens through the Holy Spirit power. That's how it happens. It happens through illumination of the Holy Spirit. I want you to take a pause here. I want you to think about something. We have three things, three ways that God has spoken to get his word to us. There is revelation is number one. That's new information from God to the prophet or to the apostle. New information. God's mouth to the prophet's ear. Ex-cathedra. From God to the, to the prophet. Inspiration is writing down the revelation that has been given. Now that's done. Revelation is done. There's no new revelation. There's no new inspiration. Nobody writing down new books and that sort of thing. However, illumination. Illumination is essential. It's ongoing where the Holy Spirit brings the truth of what is written to the believer. 
You must study this word through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're not a believer, this is, this is like impossible. I mean, I read through the Bible when I was like in the sixth grade. I got in trouble and I says, well, I think I need God. I think I'll start reading the Bible. And I'm reading, I'm going, what does all this mean? I didn't understand anything. And I'm straining to try to understand it. I didn't have the Spirit of God. I wasn't born again. We need to have the Spirit illuminate the Scripture to us. After the resurrection, listen to this. They don't, they don't get their power until Pentecost. They don't really understand until Pentecost. But after the resurrection, now think about this. Jesus met his disciples in Galilee. In Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 17, says something astounding. Now, these guys have been with Jesus three and a half years. These guys have seen all of his miracles. These guys have seen the resurrected Jesus. These guys are meeting Jesus in Galilee. And Jesus speaks to them. Now watch this. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now that's a powerful thing. Something in the DNA of humanity gives us a proclivity for doubt. It really does. I mean, you believe this thing? You believe in a God you've never seen? God you've never heard? God you can't touch? Well, yeah, yeah. He speaks to my heart. He speaks to my spirit. Particularly the day I was born again. The day I said yes to Jesus and my whole life changed. I said, I believe in that God. I believe in him. An amazing thing. Listen to this. There would be no doubting for these disciples after Pentecost. No doubting at all. There would be no more OU of little faith after Pentecost. Nothing. The Holy Spirit, folks, makes all the difference in the world then and now. No spirit, no power. You must tap in. Even as a Christian, you must tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish your mission. You must walk this thing filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and each completed their assignment, folks. And that's the same way we complete our assignment. Everyone in this room that has believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior has an assignment. Now, in the very minimal that assignment is, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, that we go and tell everybody about Jesus. Tell them the gospel. Jesus died for you. He was buried. He actually rose again the third day from a day. From the, there's eyewitness testimony to this. People have actually witnessed this. And the ones that witness it, believe it. And they believed it to the death. Believed it to the death. Now listen to this. The disciples died violently. Eight of the twelve died in Gentile territory. Most of them died violently. Some of them were skinned alive. Some of them were stuck to the ground with spears. Many of them were crucified. One of them was sawed in two. I mean, this is some violent deaths. And they believed in Jesus to their death, none recanting, because they saw the resurrected Jesus. They died for their, for their faith. Folks, they all died like, like William Borden did. In the, in the back of William Borden's Bible, he had these words. And I did a talk on William Borden. I'm not going to explain that. But he had these words, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. These guys, Peter being crucified upside down in Rome, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. May that be said of us. Who knows what lies ahead for the church? Who knows? May this be said of us. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. The trap of, 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 of little faith is cured when we yield to the Holy Spirit. Some closing thoughts. Now, beware of the trap setters and know the signs of the times. Now, remember, it's religious trap setters. There are secular trap setters. There are all kinds of people trying to lead you away from the true God. Trap setters will give you a false Jesus. Now, this is a Jesus that has become very popular in our world today. This has become actually the norm in the Western church. It is becoming more the norm in America. 
It's even worse in Canada, and it's worse than that in Great Britain. I'll explain more in just a second. But anyway, you see this. The false Jesus the world loves. Here are some of his attributes. He will allow everyone into heaven. Universalism. That's a lie. He came to bring peace, not division. No, he said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He doesn't require obedience. Oh, yes, he does. He doesn't require holiness. He doesn't require repentance. He only preaches love. Just love everybody and you're just fine. Just love, 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 love. He never says anything offensive. Hypocrites. Whitewash. Whitewash tombs. <laughs> he never tells anyone they're wicked. He calls everyone his children. Folks, how many people say we're all the children of God? No, you are not. You are not a child of God until you are born again into the family of God. You are actually a child of the evil one of Satan. You are in Satan's kingdom until extracted from that kingdom and placed in the kingdom of his love. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is not true. We're not all children of God. He will, he will not send anyone to hell. He wants you to do your own will. Man, is that pitiful. His commandments are suggestions. No, they're the Ten Commandments. If you are following this false Jesus thought, I'd let you know his real name is Satan. Satan. Those are the types of things that Satan espouses. Remember, he is a masquerader. He masquerades as an angel of light. It says in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, his ministers masquerade as ministers of righteousness. You see them all over the television. Do you not? And the Antichrist will be the greatest masquerader of all. Remember, the anti means against or instead of the Christ. Most pe people in this world will think at, at the middle of the tribulation that they are worshiping the true Christ and will fight against the, the true Christ who is returning. Now, what are the signs of the times? Now, you have in your hands here a treasure. And I would ask you to put this someplace that it can remind you on a continuum of the world we're living in now. Why do I believe Jesus is coming back? Why do I believe this is the sign of the times? The number one thing is this. The Jews will become a nation again. Israel will be back in its land. 2,500 years of the diaspora being spread all throughout the world, yet maintain their identity as Jews, maintain their religion as Jews, re-entered their homeland. No people group in the history of the world has done this. God prophesied it. And on May 14, 1948, that came to fruition. Folks, that started this epoch of time as being the time that qualifies for the second coming of Christ. Prior to that, no one qualified. He wasn't going to come back prior to that. That nation had to be established. Secondly, he doesn't have it down here, but secondly, Jesus said, lest these days be cut short, no flesh would be saved alive. It was not until the advent of nuclear weapons, chemical weapons, biological weapons, now we know, can kill everybody in sight, it wasn't until then that humanity could destroy themselves. Folks, it is our time forward. I was born in 1949, so it's my time forward. Not before, forward. So you see these things happening. Global communications in the last day will facilitate communication and for the Antichrist. Number four. Number five, we already have technology for the mark of the beast. We've already studied that. You've heard about it. We are seeing right before our eyes social moral breakdown, lawlessness and godliness, godlessness. Now, what did Jesus say? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be the second coming of Christ. Folks, we are not there yet. But as we get into the tribulation period, humanity will devolve to that point where no one will have good in their eyes. The church is extracted. This church is extracted. No one will be doing good in their eyes. In the eyes of God. There's, we're on our way to a one world government. That's number seven. Unequivocally. A one world religion is on the horizon. Let's all just get together and kumbaya. Let's all worship together. No. No. Number ten. Apostasy will happen. That's the falling away of the faith of the church. Those who claim to be Christians. 
Finally, the Israel will be hated by every nation. Folks, everyone is going to gang up on Israel, including the United States of America. Get ready. Get ready for disaster upon disaster in this nation as we turn more and more away from the support of Israel. Trap setters tell us humanity will save the planet. Trap setters, folks, ignore what God has said. They ignore God. Now, I want to talk to you about this man that I've talked to you about in the past. So, everybody that has drifted, come back, right, for just a second. Got five minutes left. Hold on to your hats, okay? Yuval Noah Harari, I've mentioned him before, is a trap setter, and people are listening to him in droves. He has the ear of many of the elites in this world. And folks, this is a mad, mad world. Harari is a globalist. He is Klaus Schwab's prophet, who's head of the World Economic Forum, who's heading this whole one world government direction, this new age of humanity. Now listen to this. Klaus Schwab's right-hand man. Think about this. We, we can see the changes in America, even on the political landscape, when we, we vote to kill babies with impunity. Folks, that's Molech. Molech, that God, the destroyer, is here. That's Molech. When even conservative states like Montana say yes to killing them right after they're born. An amazing thing. But listen to Great Britain. Listen to the leadership that has ascended to power in Great Britain. They're... In, their, their prime minister is a Hindu. Their mayor is a Muslim. Their king is a pantheist. King Charles is a pantheist. All of them devoid of the true God. That is what is leading Great Britain now. Queen Elizabeth was a Christian, kind of holding back some of that. Now she's gone. Great Britain has been given totally over to the gods of this world. That is what we are on track for in America. That is what we are on track for. Now, watch what, what these globalists want to do. The World Economic Forum thinking. This is World Economic Forum thinking. The future, quote, the future is about developing more and more sophisticated technology like artificial intelligence and bioengineering. That means gene reconstruction. Now, it sounds innocent, but folks have eyes to see and ears to hear what is going on around you. Spot the masquerader. Spot the phony. Harare says this in regards to that last statement. Watch what he says. Now, this is a straight quote. Most people don't contribute anything to that philosophy, except perhaps for their data. And whatever people are still doing, which is useful. There's a few of you useful ones out there. We'll keep around. These technologies increasingly will make people redundant and will make it possible to replace the people. That's what he wants to do. Don't miss what he is saying. Don't miss what this world is going towards. Please. He's saying this. We need to thin the human herd. Thin the herd. Eliminate masses of people. Decrease the population. You are expendable. They're the enlightened contributors. They're the ones that will inhabit the new earth that they're picturing. We have 8 billion people on earth. They want 500 million elites and have all kinds of robots serving them. Harari then goes on to say this. The, the World Economic Forum influencer believes humans will evolve into a technological human-computer hybrid and become God, become eternal. Now, people are believing this. Okay, this is not fantasy. This isn't like turning on the twilight zone when I was little and going, ooh, ooh. No, this is what people are actually doing. They're actually doing. Listen to what he says here. They'll come up on the screen. 70,000 years ago, he says, wrong. Okay, you're right off there. Wrong. Homo sapiens was still an insignificant animal minding its own business in a corner of Africa. In the following millennia, it transformed itself into the master of the entire planet and the terror of the eco ecosystem. Today, it stands on the verge of becoming a god. Do you see that? On becoming a god, poised to acquire not only eternal youth, 
but also the divine abilities of creation and destruction. We're going to be our own gods. Now, who's buying into this? I mean, we don't buy into this, but you know who's buying into this? University professors love this guy. Governmental leaders, CEOs, entertainers, humanists of every size and shape love this type of information. A world devoid of God. Karl Marx, the father of communism, and the personal hero of Klaus Schwab, who's the head of the World Economic Forum, claimed that organized religion became the opium of the people, the pacifier of the people. Now watch what Harari does with this statement. Harari believes very differently on different pacifiers. No need for God. Don't even mention God. See, see, Marx mentioned God. Don't even mention God. And he says, this is a quote. At the present, the best guess we have is that we should keep them happy with drugs and computer games. Keep them distracted. Keep them compliant. And let me say this. Do you think the legalization of drugs and computer games that are so real that they mesmerize the brain are by accident? No, they are not. This is a planned strategy to control the masses. That's what we are going to. These are the signs of the times that Scripture was talking about. This is the madness that is happening in our world. Look at Pot is the perfect drug. Somewhat functional, but numbed. Don't care. Apathetic. And the focus of this is feel good and play games. Feel good and play games. Detach. Christians, we must not cover our eyes to the truth. Jesus expects us, this is going to come on the screen, Jesus expects us to know the signs of the times. Globalism is full speed ahead. Preparation for the Antichrist one world government. And people think we're stone cold crazy when we say this. But that is what the word says. And it's happening right before our eyes. Folks, take the blinders off. Now, you guys aren't blind here, but you people listening out there who might tune into this crazy talk, take the blinders off. Realize that this is happening right before your eyes. There's a new world order, folks. Open borders, climate change, fear. Fear to control the masses. Crisis after crisis, you're seeing it right before your eyes. All of it is a plan for the Antichrist to enter the stage, the great world saver. Know the signs of the times, church. Know the signs of the times. Satan has a big problem. You know what his huge problem is? The restrainer is still here. You know what? Restrain. Be a little salty with your light. Be a little irritating with your light. You don't even have to try to be irritating. All you have to do is tell them the truth and you're irritating. Our job, folks, the Holy Spirit Church, filled church, folks, is the restrainer. Our job, the restrainer's job, is really clear. Stand. Take a stand for the truth. Stand for the truth. Speak the truth to counter the lies. And then do this. Keywords. Stand and watch. Stand and keep watch. You are a watchman on the wall giving the warning to everyone that will hear. There will be a few who will hear. Not many will hear. Because remember what Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that that leads to destruction and many go in by it. And narrow is the gate, remember that? And difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are very few that will find it. Folks, there's onesies and twosies out here that are believing. Mass revival, I don't believe, is going to happen because of where we are as a nation. Now, God can. He can do whatever he wants. I hope I'm wrong on that. But what I see in Scripture is a devolving apostasy church at the end. The revival comes in the tribulation period. That's when the masses get saved in Revelation chapter 7. Don't buy into the lies that are being pumped into you 24-7. Have eyes to see and ears to hear the things of the Spirit. And folks, by all means, be prepared. Stand. Do not be fearful. Do not be anchored here. Why do I say that? Because this world is not our home. Hebrews chapter 11, 13 through 16, will give you the truth about where we are. Watch this. 
This is the hall of faith conclusion. These all died in faith. People giving their faith for God, for our Savior. Not having received the promises, they died. But having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims here. This world is not my home. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they called to mind the country from which they had come out, but they would have had opportunity to return. But oh, now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for you. Now, what is your city that you're going to be living in in the future? It's called the New Jerusalem. Let me try that again. Let's get a little emphasis here. It's called the New Jerusalem. That is right. That cube. And I had the cube and I was struggling with the cube and I got tired of struggling with get a cool looking cube coming down on the earth because I've already showed you that a lot of times. So. But anyway, trap setters think they know the signs of the times. Be ready, folks. It's getting interesting. This is a very, very privileged time to live. It is. Don't get discouraged. The light is on, folks. We can see what is going on in our world. The king is coming. The king is coming. A reluctant Gideon. In case you don't know who Gideon was, he was called to fight against an army. He had to get, a, get them down to just a few. A reluctant Gideon, he didn't want to do that, stood during his time loyal to the God of Israel. Rahab the prophet hid the spies, stood during her time loyal to the God of Israel. And as you know, what I'm going to say from this is, may this be our time that we stand loyal to the God of Israel, loyal to our Savior. Everything is going to be coming at you to encourage you to be disloyal. You stay loyal. Brothers and sisters, know the times of the, uh, signs of the times. Watch and stand. Having done all to stand, Ephesians 6.13 more important than ever, folks, more important ever in the history of the church, know the signs of the times. You are living in the end time. Now, I know we've said that in nauseam, but folks, you can see what is happening. Know the signs of the times. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Open our spirits to your word. May we hear individually from you today what we need to hear. We are not to be trepidant. We're not to be fearful. We're to trust in our God as things unravel right before our eyes. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, come into the family of God and be saved. Simply say, I believe that you died in my place, Jesus, and I receive you as my Savior. It's really that simple. If you put your trust in Jesus, believe in him, commit yourself to him, put your trust in him as your sin bearer, he will take your sins away cast them as far as the east is from the west, cleanse you and make you righteous, all by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son. Thank you for your word that has prepared us for such a time. In Jesus' name, amen.